Hello, and welcome to Childless Not By Choice. This podcast was created for and about the Childless Not By Choice community on a global level. Before we get started, I would like to thank my sponsors and supporters. Thank you, Morgan Air Conditioning, Sales, Service, and Installation, serving Tampa, Florida, and the surrounding areas. Morgan Air Conditioning can be reached by calling 813-500-7765. That's 813-500-7765. Or their web address is www.morganair.net. That's www.morganair.net. Along with a stellar business reputation in the Tampa, Florida area, Morgan Air Conditioning is also known and well-received for giving back to the community, whether it is back-to-school drives or donating services to the less fortunate. Thank you, Morgan Air Conditioning, for recognizing the vision of Childless Not By Choice and being a part of it. Next, I would like to thank Alba Digital Media for creating my website, www.childlessnotbychoice.net, that's www.childlessnotbychoice.net and for producing this podcast. Alba Digital Media's clients include those who need website building and maintenance, as well as those like myself who require professional podcast editing. Their client base reflects many industries and levels of needs for professional assistance. To contact Alba Digital Media for your web building and podcast production needs, visit www.albadigitalmedia.com. That's www.albadigitalmedia.com. Thank you, Alba Digital Media, for making me look good and sound good. Finally, I would like to thank Devoted, the musical duo who created my theme music. Thank you, Devoted, for your beautiful music. Devoted has had the opportunity to sing and play in many countries. To contact Devoted for your music needs, visit devotedministries at gmail.com. That's devotedministries at gmail.com. And if you would like to become a one-time or ongoing sponsor, or if you would like to become a patron of Childless Not By Choice, please contact me at sevilla at sevillamorgan.com. That's sevilla at sevillamorgan.com for details. Now, on to the show. Well, hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Childless Not By Choice, where my mission is to recognize and speak to the broken hearts of childless not by choice women and men around the world. Savella Morgan here. I am spreading the great news that we can live a joyful, relevant, and fulfilled life although we could not, did not have the children we so wanted. Well, before we continue on with episode 86, I would like to take a moment to thank my Patreon contributor. Patreon contributors are those who have taken an interest in my platform, whether they fit the childless not by choice demographic or not. They have decided to contribute a certain dollar amount on a regular basis, monthly to help fund my dream of creating awareness and conversation for the childless not by choice community globally. Click the Patreon link for details and to become a patron. 
And the Patreon link is right there in the show notes. It's www.patreon.com forward slash either 21st Century Hannah or forward slash Childless Not By Choice. They both will take you to the same place. So thank you to my um, my Patreon contributor, Mr. Jordan Morgan. Thank you so much for your monthly contribution. It goes such a long way towards creating that um, conversation that uh, that needs to be had globally uh, for and about the childless, not by choice demographic. Thank you, Jordan Morgan. Well, today we have a special guest. Um, let me go ahead and introduce to you Ms. Mrs. Chelsea Patterson Sobolik. Um, Chelsea says about herself that there are many ways I could describe myself. Wife, author, congressional staffer, daughter, friend, lover of coffee, fresh flowers, and acoustic music. But the most important thing to know about me is that my heart, mind, and soul belong to my Savior, Jesus Christ. He saved my soul from the eternal separation that I rightly deserve due to my sin, adopted me, redeemed me, and calls me his own. When I'm not writing, I'm working full-time, my full-time job as a legislative assistant on child welfare policy on Capitol Hill. Basically, I get to help work on policies that would make adoption and foster care better and help improve the lives of children. My heart lights on fire whenever I get to write or talk about adoption. A large part of that stems from the fact that I was adopted from Bucharest, Romania as a child. Apart from my salvation, being adopted is the greatest gift I've ever received. I grew up in North Carolina with five adopted siblings from Eastern Europe, and I am a graduate of Liberty University. My husband Michael and I, will uh, we call Washington, D.C. home, as of a couple of years ago, and it's been the adventure of a lifetime. While I do miss parts of the South, for instance, people smiling at me and being generally more kind, D.C. quickly became home. I live on Capitol Hill, just a few blocks away from the Capitol, and I work for one of my heroes. D.C. stole my heart, and I love getting to do life here. Well, welcome, Chelsea. Thank you so much for uh, taking the opportunity to be interviewed on Childless Not By Choice. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I'm so glad that you're able to make this interview. And I just really enjoyed reading your book, Longing for Motherhood. And so a lot of the questions that I have today are probably going to come from the book and also just in general, if things go there, because I love a conversational type of interview. Perfect. <laughs> I do too. I do too. They're the best. So one of my first questions was, as I was doing the research for this interview, I came across the Gospel Coalition website, and it looks like um, you wrote a blog for them back in January 2017. And I'm actually going to put that in the link, put that link in the show notes, along with your contact information for this episode so um, that everybody can see the blog post. So not everybody was um, is able to adopt. In fact, the question, the quote, you, you don't, why don't you just adopt, unquote, 
question is every ch um, childless, not by choice woman's pet peeve question. Because um, if we had wanted to or were able to adopt, we would have. I mean, the average adoption is about $30,000. I think in your book, you say it's about 40000 But it's somewhere in there. It's that expensive. That's the bottom line. So your description is to work as a legislative assistant on Capitol Hill. Do you ever have moments where you feel left out as you do your work? You know, I like you said, I think, and when I first started sharing with people that I would be unable to have children, that was the first thing they'd say is, oh, you can just adopt. And um, like you shared, adoption is part of my story. I was adopted, but... There's, there's so many things wrong with, with saying, oh, you can just adopt. Um, some people don't have the desire, and that's okay. I truly don't think adoption is for everyone. Adoption is wildly expensive in a lot of cases. Um, adopting out of foster care is cheap, but there's a whole host of other things that come along with that. So um, I, I think a lot of people kind of use that as a band-aid to a problem that they don't know how to solve and say, well, here's this other alternative. And, um, you know, I think there are times when I, I do feel a little bit left out of, well, that's not what I'm called to right now. Um, I, I do have a desire to adopt one day, but that's not now. And so um, it kind of does create this problem of the, well, Yes, I can just adopt, but you know, I don't have $40,000 sitting in my bank account ready to do that or um, the type of house I would need or just it, it's, it's far more complex than people give it credit for. And it when people say that, I think it's a well-meaning thing. They want to they want to help, but I don't think they understand um, the complexities that come along with that. I totally agree. And I wonder sometimes, you know, when people have children naturally, I don't think that maybe that they think about that. It's not really it's somewhere on their radar, but they, they don't think about it um, as though I would need more room. I'll need a house with more room. I'll have to make some changes. But that's just something they think about or discuss in passing. But people who are looking to adopt, it's like at the forefront of their minds. It's intense. Yeah. Yeah, because when you adopt either domestically through a private agency, through foster care, when you choose to adopt, there's a huge home study. Um, they really dig into all parts of your life. And um, it, and there's reasons why, but it's so different than, and I've thought about it, you know, a 15-year-old kid can get pregnant in a 600-square-foot apartment. You know, it's just so different than... Right. Um, those choosing to adopt, they really have to hit a huge checklist. And I mean, they dig into your finances, they dig into your health, they dig into all these different things when you choose to adopt. So it's, it's a pretty intense process. Exactly. And so if more people thought about that before asking the question, and that's what this podcast is about, is just creating awareness. And that's what you're doing with your book is creating awareness and getting people to realize that it's not a simple question. And um, there's no simple answer. No, no. And I think what that question does too, and I would imagine you and your listeners have experienced this is it doesn't create room to grieve. And 
when people would ask me or say to me like, oh, well, you've been adopted. You can just adopt. It's great. Um, I think they were expecting me to be like, oh, yeah, like it, it's, it's all great. But what that didn't, what they didn't do is create space for me to grieve what I'd lost. And that was the dream of natural parenthood. And um, I, I think that question really does cut off a space to grieve. So, um, again, it's it's usually well-intentioned, but people don't think with their mouths. Right. Exactly. I agree on both uh, of those. I, 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 well-intentioned and people are not thinking, but I guess it's our role in life to get people to think more about a subject that they don't really think about. So here we are. Well, moving along here, as I read the forward to, forward to your book, Longing for Motherhood, the author of the foreword thought he, um, he quoted, I fully expect that sometime after this book is published and in your hands, Chelsea will in fact find herself a mother of children, dot, dot, dot. But if not, um, she is not deprived, unquote. I had to read that a couple of times because I was a little confused, especially after reading the the reason for your childlessness. I hope I'm saying this correctly. Mayor Rokotansky Kuster Hauser syndrome, also known as MRKH. Yeah. Could you expand on that for us a little bit and tell us more about MRKH? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, you know, most people find out they are struggling with infertility in the context of a marriage. Um, but I found out when I was 19 years old, which 19 year old hormonal teenager, um, it's that kind of news is devastating for anyone. Um, much less someone who's in there. I was in my freshman year of college. And, uh, so I was born without a uterus, which means I cannot have conceive and carry a child. Um, and so what I think um, Dr. Moore, the, the gentleman that wrote the foreword was referring to was adopting children uh, was the way it is the only path to, to motherhood um, in this life for me. So um, that's what he was referring to. But uh, and I talk a lot about this, but kind of at 19 and over the years, um, reconciling that with the Lord and realizing even if God never allows me to be a mother, even if I never adopt or never mother a child, it's okay, you know, and that it's taken me years to get to that place and more meltdowns than I can possibly tell you. But um, yeah, it was, um, yeah. So I found out when I was 19 that I was born with this. It's, it's a somewhat rare medical condition. About one in 12,000 women are born with it. So somewhat rare, but it's an amazing as kind of technology um, and social media have grown. Um, there really are communities online for other women with this specific condition connecting. And um, so that's been encouraging. Of course, I didn't even know that, that, you know, it was a possibility to be born without a uterus, although it does make sense because congenitally, um, people are born without other organs or limbs. So, you know, after thinking about it, I'm like, well, I guess it, it can happen, but I just had not known. And um, 
you know, I was just blown away when I was reading about it. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad to know, though, that there there are communities because I believe in community. And I believe you talked about that in the book a little yes. bit. Because as I was reading your book, it says that community is important. So um, I'm glad to know that there is a community for people even with MRKH. Um, it, it's good to know. It's, it's important to know that there is somebody uh, who's, you know, understands and that you're not suffering alone. So yeah, I totally believe in community. I really want everybody to to check out the book as a matter of fact, because I really it was a great read It was easy to read. And so you know, if you're listening, and you have the opportunity to read the book, please do I, I got it on Kindle. And, um, you know, you can download the Kindle version, but you also get it on hardcover. And I really enjoyed reading it. Well, as we continue, I noticed that there were some so many parallels between your experiences and mine. I mean, grief is truly a globally felt and understood, um, or maybe I should say misunderstood language, regardless of anything else that may differentiate us. Uh, I begged and bargained with God. I told my mom she has five children of her own and that she did not really understand my pain. I said that when I was thinking about IVF, which you also talked about in the book, and I'll just be blatantly honest about this, I considered IVF even as a single woman, um, because uh, I'm also husbandless, and you also bring that up in the book, and I appreciate you bringing that up, because nobody really talks about it, so thanks for mentioning it. No one talks about that. It's, yeah, no Really, it, most people, when they talk about childlessness, it's in the context of marriage. And um, there's this, I mean, there's a group of single women that want to be mothers. And I've been married less than a year. So for nine years, that was me. You know, like, no one addresses that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And uh, congratulations on your marriage. May you have many happy years together. Thank you. Here I go again. I'm sorry, but I noticed you talk about in the book as well, how the church will, well, let me say for myself, the church needs to step up a little bit more than it has and seemingly is willing to when it comes to the demographic that makes up the congregation sitting in the pews in the benches and the chairs every Sunday morning. But before I get that, get to that part, I wanted to ask you if you could speak to in light of the pain and anger during the grieving process, speak to the woman who's currently in the midst of the anger phase of her grief. Mm, That's such a good question. So I, and I know everyone is all over the spectrum, but I had grown up in a Christian home and um, I'm one of six kids. I was homeschooled, just grew up in a very kind of safe, stable home. And when the doctor told me that I couldn't have children. It was the first time in my life that I'd ever encountered suffering, um, real suffering, not someone hurt my feelings type of suffering. You know, it was the first time two plus two didn't equal four. You know, I I grew up and I was Miss Goody Two Shoes and knew how to sweet talk my way in and out of things. I I could, I was very good at getting what I wanted, and so. For the first time in life when I didn't get what I wanted and there's nothing I did to deserve it or nothing I could do to change it, it really kind of was a crisis. And 
um, I, 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 I think, I don't, I think I share this story in the book, but I was home um, and found out the week of Thanksgiving that I couldn't have children, which is kind of ironic to begin with, but um, I, I went to church with my family that Sunday and it was baby dedication <laughs> that Sunday. And I, I got up in the middle of the service and spent the rest of the time in the bathroom crying. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I've been there so many times. But spent that time crying and was pushed into the wrestling match of a lifetime with the Lord. And I was, just to be really honest, I told the Lord, I don't know if I want to keep following you because this feels like it's too much. It feels unfair. It feels like it's too much. And by God's grace, it, this is God's grace, but I thought, okay, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give him one chance and I'm going to read the Bible through the lens of my suffering and through the lens of my anger and see what's there for me when life's not going great. And um, I, I, I was really angry. I mourned and cried and I read the Psalms through the lens of my suffering. And I realized that God puts dark Psalms in the Bible there, Psalm 13, how long will you forget me, O Lord? Psalm 88, darkness is my closest friend. Like all these really dark Psalms. And as I read those, and it, A, it gave me comfort to know that people throughout human history have felt really dark emotions like I was feeling and that it's okay to feel those things. Um, I think in the Christian church, sometimes it's, we don't have space to feel the hard things. It's kind of a rush towards hope and that Christians are hopeful people. So we have to quickly get to hope. Um, but saints, David was a man after God's own heart and he pins some really dark songs. So I realized, and, and to speak to the woman who's in the midst of, not being able to in that that heat of that moment, it is okay to feel those feelings. It is okay to to grieve and to to share those with the God's big enough to handle those things. He knows already, and so He's big enough to handle the really ugly parts of our hearts. And um, and as I kept re- reading through the Bible and just seeing what God said to the sufferer. Um, I came to the Gospels, and I've read those hundreds of times before, but through a new lens and realized that, and this is so elementary to Christianity, but the call to follow Christ is a call to die and to pick up our cross and to follow him. And being a Christian means we're not going to get everything we want in life. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It's I don't think I've still swallowed it. It's a hard pill to swallow, but um, there's so much, I think deeper than the, any cross we'll ever have to bear is the fact that God's with us. And um, long answer to a short question, but um, to the woman who's angry and grieving, I would tell her it's okay to feel those things. Yeah, and I think you said that in chapter three, that it's okay not to be okay. 
You know, I think that's a, a great answer. Yeah, just to remind the listener, we have listeners from all over the world with all types of beliefs and, um, you know, it's okay. But from a Christian point of view, yes, David did write songs and psalms on all points of the spectrum from when he was happy, when he was sad, when he was wondering what in the world is going on. Where are you, God? And so I totally agree. It is a bitter pill to swallow. It is still even taking me time to deal with it because grief comes in waves. It comes and goes, but we have to recognize that we are grieving. That um, is something I talk about on the platform a lot, on the Facebook group. We are grieving. We have to recognize that we are grieving. And once we recognize that, it shouldn't come as a surprise if tears start to flow during baby dedication time. Or if you have to get up and excuse yourself from the service during baby dedication time. And you shouldn't have to explain it to anybody. I I appreciate you saying that because, just to be really honest, I was terrified. And I know you've written on this topic as well. But I was terrified because everyone's experience is so different. And childlessness comes in a thousand different forms. And just terrified to share my, you know, and again, my condition is somewhat rare. So I didn't know how many people would identify with feelings. And so I appreciate you saying just because I was really scared that I would mishandle or that I wouldn't handle it well. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I told you I got a lot of notes from your book. Uh, I'm, um, I'm reading the book and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, wow, that's me. How does she know this? No, the book is very well written. And, um, you know, no matter how we got here, if you wanted uh, children and you're childless, not by choice, um, that's how I view it. That because um, I've been asked, how would it, how is it that I'm childless, not by choice, just because I didn't get to get married and have children? I had fibroids. And if I were married, it would have been a higher possibility for me to have children. Um, I had three myomectomies, which is where they remove the fibroids from the uterus. So typically, when they remove the fibroids, you run out real quickly and get pregnant. But I wasn't married, so I was stuck. And so, you know, I still consider myself childless, not by choice. I didn't get to have the children I wanted, even though in my case, I did have a uterus for most of my life. So not to ramble, the bottom line is, no matter how you got here, you are childless, not by choice, if you wanted children and did not get to have them. Thank you for um, highlighting the fact that some women are not only childless, but husbandless. That It's what I like to call the double whammy. And so, what do you think it will take to get the church to realize that the conversation is now more than ever made up of more than mom, dad, and kids, but that there are single, never married people there, there are widowed people, there are childless people? What do you think it will take? Oh, that's such a good question. I think it's going to take conversations like these and people being willing to, you know, we're, you and I are both Christians. So it's kind of like a family conversation. And in a family, there's some hard conversations that need to happen sometimes. And um, I actually, a, a good friend of mine wrote a book on singleness right before my book came out. And we had a lot of conversations and um, just realized that our books were so similar in the fact that the underlying thread is an unfulfilled desire. And I don't think, 
this might sound harsh. I don't know. I don't think the church knows what to do with singles or with widows or childless women or couples or there's no category. We don't fit neatly into the newly marrieds or the first time parents that, that, that group, I think there's not really a category or the young adults, the young people like youth meeting. Yeah, exactly. You skip from youth meeting to the newly married and there's a group of us in between who never married and we're not teenagers anymore. So yes, there's a whole demographic within the church that the church I agree, does not know how to deal with. And um, I just wish somebody in a leadership capacity would step up and just say, okay, we see you. What do you want from us? What should we do? Yes. Yes. And something that I, uh, and again, maybe some tough love for the Christian community, but something I see that's done poorly is, and, and I've seen books written on a singleness or childlessness or whatnot that they're writing from a perspective of, and I got what I wanted and I'm now married or I now have kids and here's how I got through it. And, you know, I wrote my book from, I don't have children yet. I don't know if I ever will. It's, it's kind of that tension of there's not a red, there's not a pretty red bow tying up my story yet. And I think I think we need to make space and for what we write about and talk about and talk about from the pulpit of stories that don't have a neat red bow on them. And they aren't, there's not a period, you know, they're still going. And um, we need more people sharing stories that haven't completely been resolved, if that makes sense. And um, it really bugs me when I see someone trying to talk about singleness or this or that, but they're, they have what they want and uh, not that there's anything wrong. I'm glad that that they have that, but I think there needs to be more space for different types of stories. I completely agree because that is also my pet peeve to hear married people, whether they're in leadership or not. So I may be stepping on some toes here. It's not my intention, but it is what it is because this is me living my life for married people to tell me how to live a single life. I mean, like I said, I know I'm several years older than you, and I've never been married, and I've never had children. How can you talk to me from a space of where you got married in your 20s or 30s, and speak to me as a single childless woman about how to live my life? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I just can't, because it doesn't seem genuine to me, because you got what you wanted. And I'm not always... <laughs> yeah. you know I've said this I'm I don't I do not grudge I do not begrudge anyone or envy anyone for what they have I only want wanted what I wanted and what I thought I should have it shouldn't be that difficult to have I never want to say that I envy or begrudge or I'm jealous that's not my personality type I just wanted to know from God well what about me what that's where I'm coming from. But it's tough to listen to people who have been married for a million years tell me how to live a life, a single life. And I've been doing it. It's, you know, it's just, it's a struggle. You have your ups and downs and you ask God, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? And I'm a Christian and I'm a Christian first and foremost, although I don't lead with that on my platform. But the people on the platform know that the foundation of my platform is my Christian belief. 
but I've got all kinds of people and belief systems in my group, and I'm not going to alienate anyone when they're suffering from childlessness. It's like going into a place where people are starving and you start preaching. You've got to feed them first. And so that's that's where I am. I can really go off on a tangent about this because it really does make me crazy when people, you know, the church, uh, it's so huge and so old and we're still having a hard time catching up, keeping up. So anyway, that's me jumping off my soapbox now. So in chapter two, I really love this. Um, In chapter two, you talked about redeeming the dead time in the day. And it is so important to protect our thought life. I just wanted um, you to talk some more about that. Yeah, that's a good one. I think so. And I'm a very emotional person. So my emotions can quickly and easily get the better of me. And I read a book. um, I, I don't like the title. It's called Spiritual Depression. But it's basically about how to suffer as a Christian. <clears throat> and it's by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he talks about talking to your soul. And you see this in the Psalms of David talking to his soul and instructing his soul. And so, um, yeah, I think one of the ways that we can not only grieve well, but also walk towards healing is to instruct our souls with what we know to be true. And when I first started sharing with people that I couldn't have kids, I had several people say back to me, well, you're just not praying hard enough, or you're not, you don't have enough faith, or this or that, and, or God wants you to be happy. God wants you to have these things. And at the same time, I was reading through the Bible through the lens of my suffering. And I was reading and reading and reading and nowhere in the Bible did I find that if I had enough faith, God would give me exactly what I wanted, that God would give me children. Children are not a a right or a guarantee. You know, there's so many promises in the Bible that we could claim, but those are not one of them. And so, um, yeah, I think, again, it's very good intention, but again, going back to my condition, I don't have a uterus. There's no amount of prayer is going to give me that, you know, and God is, God is still good in that. And God does want us to have joy, but often it looks so different than how we thought. And so kind of reading the Bible through the lens of what can I actually claim? What are the promises in scripture that I can claim and hold back to God and say, you said this, now make it happen. And that's not children. (laughs) Um, I think it's okay to pray fervently for children or a husband or this or that. I think it's okay to ask God and to pray, but we should never expect that, if that makes sense. Um, I think the promises we can claim are the promises that God will, God promises we have everything we need for life and godliness. God promises never to leave or forsake us. He promises his steadfast love, all these things. But so just kind of telling ourselves what is a promise and what's not. Right, just reminding ourselves what is a promise, what is not, and just how people can confuse the two and make you feel guilty, you know, whether they mean to or not. 
feel guilty about your prayer life and not being able to get what you so wanted because you're not praying enough or you're not praying correctly. You know, I've done a lot of research on how to pray because I've been guilted, maybe self-guilted, into feeling like I didn't pray correctly in the years when I was really praying for a husband. I'm not really praying for a husband anymore. I mean, if it happens, it'll be wonderful, and I think I would know him if I meet him, but it's not something that's at the top of my prayer list anymore. But in the years when I was really praying for a husband and praying for a child, you know, I'm not going to be able to have a child now either. But I felt like I was like, am I not praying correctly? Are there certain ways to pray? You know, some people say that when you pray, make sure that you start out by praising God first for who he is before you get into your needs and all these different types of ways of praying. You know, and then I hope I'm doing it right. You know, even as a preacher's kid, I don't know if I'm doing it right. (laughs) But I was like, come on, God is not the author of confusion and not a hard taskmaster. And I think he understands all of us in our little idiosyncrasies, you know, our different personalities. I don't think he's up there saying, well, I don't think you're praying right. So sorry, I can't answer you. (laughs) That's not how he operates. You know, so I I think we have a lot of, of, um, you know, Christianity has been around for thousands of years. I think there's still a lot of growth to be had. But I do definitely believe that we've got to have our minds as Christians stayed right, stayed on God. If you're not a Christian, then you have a good positive mindset and not allow yourself to go deep down into nothingness, you know, end up in a very bad place, which can sometimes happen. So you mentioned, I think you talked about this a little bit. You talked about that it's okay not to be okay. So I'm wondering if you can once again encourage the woman who, or man, because I speak to men who are childless, not by choice as well, that that is okay not to be okay. Hopefully I'm getting that correctly. There's nothing wrong with not being okay. <laughs> but I believe it's a process. We can't stay there at not okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think when I first was entering into that really dark season, um, my natural inclination was to rush through it to get to hope. And realizing that, um, I think it was Anne Voskamp in her book, The Broken Way, which is fabulous. But she said that feelings are meant to be felt and then taken to God. And so... Um, I don't think we can fully, I don't think we can fully begin to heal if we don't fully feel what we've lost. And it hurts like, you know what to feel those things. But um, it's part of the, it's part of the grieving process. And so it's okay to have bad days or to say, I can't come to the baby shower or I can't do this or that because I'm not okay right now. Um, it's, it's okay. (laughs) You know, I think, uh, we can stick up for ourselves and say, I'm not, I'm not doing well. I'm not okay. So just realizing it's okay to, um, it's okay to have those feelings and you don't have to stuff them or ignore them or pretend like they're not there. Feel them and, take them to the throne of God and feel them in his presence. And um, yeah. Okay. I totally agree. And I love that oldie, but goodie 
sticking up for mm-hmm. ourselves. Yep. <laughs> well, as we wrap things up here, as I mentioned in the beginning, I had so many notes, but would you leave us with a word of encouragement with something you said in chapter three, where you said that your trials have an expiration date? Yes, yes. So this is probably, <clears throat> excuse me, this is probably the single greatest thing that has given me hope. And um, the last few pages of Revelation are probably my favorite in the entire Bible, um, where God is talking and he says, I am making a new heaven and earth. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will wipe away your tears and pain will be no more. And it feels like it on earth that our, this is going to last forever. But we are immortal creatures. And our sorrows are mortal and they end the day we go to heaven. And so kind of lifting our gaze to Christ and remembering that he promises never to leave or forsake us in the midst of our trials. But then one day we will, we will have no more trials and kind of just pressing on for that day of this life, feel, it truly feels like a marathon sometimes of, I am exhausted. <laughs> I um, I ran a half marathon one time, never again, but I, I did it. And um, there were a couple miles where I was running and weeping because I hate I hated it so much. And I feel like that's like the Christian life. There are seasons where we're maybe not even running, but we're just sitting in the direction of heaven saying, I know it's there and I too, I'm too weak to run right now. But um, one day we'll get there. And one day all things will be ultimately um, redeemed. So it really has given me so much courage to remember um, that our trials have an expiration date and they won't last forever. Wow. Awesome word and great yeah. reminder. Well, you've been speaking to and you're currently speaking to a global audience. So is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap things up? Anything I missed? Mm, I would just, I, I, I know you've talked about this. I've actually read and listened to your work. But just to remind your your listeners again that they are not alone in this. Um, it, it feels like it so often, but they're not alone. So true. And a great reminder. I think it's something we need to hear over and over, especially when grieving. So thank you so much for your time today, Chelsea. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Whatever I didn't get from you, um, I'll get from you offline as far as your contact information. Yeah, and I'll let you know um, when everything posts. I really believe, as I as I mentioned before, to those listening, please do check out the book, um, Longing for Motherhood. As I said, I got my copy on Amazon via Kindle, and you can also order the hard copy version. Please but it do. is a great yes. read. Yeah, it's easy to read, and it's it's very informative, especially in the end section where she talks about different things such as IVF, and especially from a Christian point of view, what IVF really means. And I didn't even think about it that way, to be honest. And so maybe it was a good that my mom compelled me all those years ago not to take that route. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm definitely not saying IVF is bad. I'm just saying that um, we have to think of everything that we're, you know, we're considering before we make a decision, we have to know everything. Um, 
So anyway, thank you so much, Chelsea. I really appreciate your time today. And uh, for everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. And until next time, I'll speak to you later. Bye.